the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Danny Cannell. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Lots to get to here on a Wednesday because we are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven days away from the opening of the early signing period for the 2024 cycle. That's right. We have seen it over the course of the early signing period era. This is when we're going to have a lot of the big stars taken off the board, and we're going to get into that a little bit later. Bud helping let us know what we need to be keeping an eye on with one week to go until the early signing period including <clears throat> that Dylan Rayola guy. We talked about him a lot here. He, he might not be going to Georgia after all. It's where he was committed, but he might be going to, I'm sorry, rub my eyes. Where? Okay. 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 We'll get into that in just a little bit, but let's start with the players that we already have uh, a, a pretty good idea of those who have been in college in the transfer portal with some of the, the portal buzz and the portal dominoes. Um, Let's, let's start with the official side of things. And Danny, we talked about it a lot, but Riley Leonard to Notre Dame, now official, big emotional, you know, overcome by being in Notre Dame Stadium. But it now that we're here, and it's no longer just assumed with the do not contact tag added to it, um, what do you think about Riley Leonard and what he's going to be able to bring to the Fighting Irish? I thought it was interesting. His lifelong dream was to play for the Irish I don't even think he started playing football till his junior year of high school. He's a basketball player. Yeah, exactly. Like, what was his dream? He wasn't even the starter when he showed up at Duke. Like, before the 2022 season, he was not even the number one quarterback. Yes. Uh, I like him a lot. He's a great kid. Like, he really is is a great kid. I think it's incredibly risky, though, for Notre Dame, who, you know, took had one of the surest fire guys come there and Sam Hartman – and I thought it fell short of expectations. I thought he was decent. I don't think he was great. I don't think he blew any Notre Dame fans away. But I think it's risky to have a kid who comes in there who is more of an athlete, needs to work as a passer, and he's coming off you know a major injury. 
Like there's a significant amount of risk in this. I do think this is a, you know, I hope it's, is it a multi-year play? I would hope because if it's a one year, I don't, I don't know if this is the one year fix that Notre Dame's thinking will get them back to the playoff conversation, you know, 11 and one, 12 and zero. So I think it's a little bit risky for Notre Dame. I love him as an athlete. Uh, if you get him, he's incredible at what he does. Can you surround him and put him in a system that really takes advantage of that? I hope so. Cause he definitely needs to develop as a passer. I f- fully echo what Danny said there, but I, I do think his legs make him pretty special. Uh, Notre Dame's offensive line could take a step back a little bit next year with, with Joe Alt off to the NFL. You're also losing some real firepower there at running back. So that kind of makes sense from, from a, a run game standpoint. And yeah, I, I think he has a lot of developing to do as a passer for the NFL. But for college, I'm, I'm pretty confident Riley Leonard is, is a really nice college quarterback. We talked about his mobility and his sack avoidance on the show prior. I mean, just stuff that he does extremely well. And I look, I think Notre Dame can make the playoffs at ten and two in the new, in the new twelve team playoff format. Uh, given who's on the schedule next year, uh, I think it is difficult enough to where if. The Irish do manage to go 10 and 2. I think they have a pretty decent shot to make it. A lot of it will depend, of course, on Leonard bouncing back, but also on uh, what they do at the receiver position with, with all their guys leaving and they're bringing in some nice transfers. So uh, I I think it's one of the best gets you can get in the portal. And n- nice job, Irish. Hi, guys. Um, hey, Tom. Think- welcome in, Tom Fernelli, to the mix. You, Tom, canceled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's 22 degrees outside. Um, it's. What, what's more interesting to me, like, I, I think it's a good get as far as the quarterbacks are available. What I'm wondering is, what is Notre Dame's long-term plan at the position? Not just like what you were kind of touching on, Danny, when I came on, like about, is he going to be there for one year or two? But is this just going to be Notre Dame's plan every year? Just get a transfer? Or are they going to actually try to bring somebody in and develop them? Because the, one, the thing that stands out to me, too, is, like, last year they bring in Sam Hartman who's a different QB than Riley Leonard. Like, he's mobile, but he's not nearly as mobile as Riley Leonard is. So he's there for a year. It goes well. It doesn't go great. He leaves, and now you're bringing in another new quarterback, and he plays a completely different kind of style. So it's just, I don't know what their identity is on offense. And it's like, are they going to be changing every year? Are they going to be, like, when it comes to recruiting guys, are they bringing in Sam Hartman's? Are they bringing in Riley Leonard's? What's the plan going forward? So... They have Kenny Menchie, who I know they, they liked a lot from last year's class. They're, bring, they're bringing in Carr, who's one of the best quarterbacks in this year's class. The, the Irish, they've definitely not stopped recruiting high-level quarterback recruits. I mean, at, at some point, I think the odds are that, that they hit. I, I don't think their approach is necessarily you know, a lot different than many of the schools out there, to be honest. Uh, they just haven't really seemed to hit on a guy uh, who they like. Like they had Buckner, and Buckner's just not, uh, not, not a guy who can play. Uh, at least not at that level, and thus it created a bit of an opening. And I, I do wonder, though, to Tom's point, are we going to see teams be too reliant on the, hey, like, let's go get the certainty of the portal quarterback and, and the win now thing as opposed to you know, betting on the upside of a guy who you've actually developed internally? I, I wonder if that's going to stunt the growth, not just at Notre Dame, because I don't really think it will, but in, in theory – like if you're constantly going out just to get that certainty, that feel good, because these coaches want to be able to have a quarterback they can trust, are you limiting your upside by not going with the guy who might have a lot of upside if you just let him play and figure it out, right? I would think Notre Dame's one of those programs that would. If you were to ask me, like, who of if we're just going to move forward in this era, 
you know, list for me five programs that you think are just going to cycle through, just transfer quarterbacks and just rely on the experience and what's proven, then the bias of experiencing Notre Dame during this, you know, nice run over the last 10 years or so. Well, I'll tell you what we're where we're going to recruit and develop. It's the offensive and defensive line. You know, like that's where we are going to be trying to identify the players who we get them in our strength and conditioning program. They're going to put on a little bit of weight. We think that they're really going to fit for us. That's where the development is. And then the quarterback position just becomes uh, a cherry on top every single year. And you just keep trading them out year after year. I, I would say Notre Dame is a place where it could work. But to your point, bud, it's already a high floor program. I don't know if doing that with the quarterback – means that you're going to be able to really be able to like raise the ceiling of the fighting Irish moving forward. We'll see. I think it all depends on who you got, you know, like, I mean, Tennessee, they're going, they're going to stick with Nico, right? Mm -hmm. They're not going to go hit the portal again. You know, they got a great one coming in that they invested a lot in. I think it depends on who you have. I think what you're going to see is just a tremendous amount of turnover because it's going to be harder than ever to stockpile quarterbacks. I mean, that, that was one thing I always thought was wise to try to keep as many as you could and expect them to transfer out if they can. But you'd know they'd get them for two or three years. You'd kind of get a look at them. I think players now, after one, you know, they get a look one year, they're like, oh, you're going to go get a portal guy? I'm out of here. Like, I, that's what you mentioned, uh, the young guys on Notre Dame's roster. Like, are they going to stick around, you know, through this? What if you know, they could they stick around through the spring, see what it looks like? If they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, I have no chance to play this year. Am I going to bounce? You know, I think that's going to be interesting because, you know, Texas has been one of the few schools that's been able to keep three guys that are really good. I mean, look at Georgia. Carson I mean, Brock Vandergriff was like, I'm not waiting around again. I, he waited a long time. Then he's like, I'm out of here because I want to play. I don't blame him. Either still in Rayola, apparently. Um, so, like, yeah, because that's another thing, too. Like, and this is probably a broader conversation, but. The development and the recruiting-wise going forward, like we're looking at Rayola, who had been committed to Georgia. Obviously, it looks like Beck's coming back. We'll get to that later. But like what you mentioned, Vandegrift, you mentioned Bud, the other guys that are on Notre Dame's roster. Odds are one of those guys is going to transfer after next season because Riley Leonard's going to play all year, and then one of those guys is going to be like, well, if Leonard, especially if Leonard comes back, he's like, I'm not going to sit here. He's going to be in a Vandegrift situation. Are we going to start seeing a spot where when the power blue blood title contender programs if they become overly overly reliant on we have to get a veteran qb option in here every year because we're trying to win a national title and we can't run the risk of bringing in a freshman and letting them learn on the job are we going to start seeing a situation where the higher rated quarterbacks maybe don't start off at those schools like maybe they're going somewhere where they're going to see opportunity to play and then they're just thinking if i do well enough here either a we'll get to the playoff and do great or i'll just transfer somewhere else and get the payday my sophomore junior year and go play for a title contender possibly i mean in the pre tua and maybe pre hurts tua era alabama wasn't bringing in the number one quarterback in each class right Mm -hmm. you know, am I am I misremembering that just based on the way that the quarterbacks played? Like I don't I don't remember McElroy, McCarron, Philip Sims. Uh, like I I remember quality recruits. I, I don't remember them being getting the alpha dog from all the elite eleven camps. Hey, uh, Le Leonard, I don't think he can come back because he got injured too late this year for this year to be a medical redshirt, and he played. 
seven games in 21. He played a full slate-ish in 22. He played too many games this year for that to be a med red shirt. I, I don't think he has an extra year. So in, Unless I'm misreading Unless there's this, like another so. pandemic in the next couple months. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it, it, it looks like he's going to be a one-year guy unless I'm missing something. Well, that's good for CJ Carr then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and Kenny Menchie, honestly. Kenny Menchie. Like, eventually, one of those kids will hit. Here's another way to spin this then. And again, we're, I'm just using Riley Leonard as the example. Notre Dame's going into the portal getting a QB every year. Some other programs are going into the portal getting a QB every year. There's no salary cap, but nobody has unlimited money. Are you sure you want to be using all that NIL to get a quarterback in the portal every year? Like, maybe you'd be better off developing a guy and using that money elsewhere. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I think this gets into the point of, like, are you in a window where you have to win? Like, are you in your winning window? Oh, yeah. Right? What's like, the rest of the roster look like? Are, you know, figuring out how to. Are you really to willing to spend up, you know, a, a million, a million two to get like the top guy? I'm not talking about like, like a Caleb or, or, or if a Drake could hit the portal, right? But like, like a, you know, like a, a, a Cam Ward or a Bo Nix, like guys who are not going to be high draft picks because we know they're not because otherwise they would just go pro, right? But like a, a dude who's considered top of the, of the quarterback market, n- you know, not, not in that Caleb category. For some teams, that makes sense because they they like they're in a cash it in type year. For other teams, it really doesn't make sense to do that because you're so not in a year where you can do a whole lot with it. Let's talk about that. What's the window look like for Miami? Because because I've seen oh I I seen Rick Ross and Cam Ward <laughs> out at the steakhouse. I mean, oh, is it like is Miami in a spot where you just you, you splash it on Cam Ward and he's going to be able to take you straight to the top of the ACC? I mean, they are like we talked about it. They put those true freshmen out there. You know, they they have a some young players who arrived right away. Um, also, uh, Will Howard did a visit to Miami earlier this week. Mm-hmm. What, what do we think the, the latest buzz is? The Hurricanes, obviously. Oh, Tyler Van Dyke uh, made his commitment uh, recently. We've got Grayson McCall uh, committing to NC State about five minutes into the show as we went live. Oh, there, I didn't see that happened. Like, yeah, my, uh, Michael Clark of our NC State side had it. Yeah. So it, yeah, all the the dominoes are beginning to fall. So from what we know to what we think, um, Bud, what, what what's the what are the tea leaves telling you about the way these dominoes are starting to fall? I, I think Miami is in sort of a, a must win type year this year, right? It, it would be year three of Cristobal. The first year they what do you go five and seven, I think, and then this year seven and five or eight and four, one so, of them, something in there. Uh, so, like, n- nothing really, you know, yet that you can hang your hat on, but they've been recruiting well. I, I do think this is a bit of a cash in year for Miami. And I-, I think you can argue that certainly not odds on, but if Miami gets Cam Ward, uh, they'll have a really good offensive line, I, I think, and-, and a pretty nice receiving core uh, to go with it. So, we-, we can sit here and laugh about, like, haha, Mario Cristobal and quarterbacks. And those are fair criticisms but also i think with the roster like they're going to be one of the acc favorites if they get kim ward i mean is he a, he's not like a caleb level player i don't think he's like a super high level guy but this is not a very good year for quarterbacks in the portal so if you're miami you, you do need somebody unless you really want to hang your hat on riley williams hmm. 
What what else, uh, Danny, Tom? Who? What other quarterback dominoes are standing out as uh, as things are starting to uh, to fall into place at the transfer level? I, I like I, Cam Ward a lot. He'd probably be my number one target if I was looking for a one year. How, how do I win now? And what you else know? is that? Ohio State is that who else is in the mix here? Like because mm-hmm. Cam Ward's the bell of the ball right now. Who are the Who are the programs that we think are in the running to potentially land Ward? Because again, I just said that he was on his visit. I think he's taking a lot of visits. I think he is uh, allowing himself. You know, to be to be shown around as he should. You know, like entertain all the offers and uh, and free agency leverage. Yeah, yeah. he's sitting the free I, agent portal. I would say uh, Florida State's the other one to watch there. Wow, I thought right. that and the they, DJU was heating up for Florida State. Well, I, I think that's probably the the one B to the one A, right? Like, how much do you really like Cam Ward? Is sort of the question that has to be asked there. Because I don't think they're really in a window to win. Like, they'll be in that you know, trying to compete for the 12-team playoff thing. But I I don't think they're like, yeah, Cam Ward's the difference between w- winning a natty and not, right? Mm-hmm. It it could be the difference between like the ACC and not in theory. We'll see if he actually gets up for his visit, though. I mean, my, my if I'm Miami, I'm trying to lock this down today and keep him down there on campus. Ohio State's been kind of quiet, hasn't it? Like as yeah. far as the QB transfer market, like it's it's – I don't know what to make of it. Like you, typically you're hearing, can't, these guys are on visits. These guys are interested in this. Ohio State, Kyle McCord leaves, and you haven't heard a whole lot about where they're going. Like there's been some reports on it, but nothing really, you know, like indicatory. But the other one I do like is I like Van Dyke to Wisconsin. I do. Th- I tweeted this yesterday when the news. The the freshman year Tyler Van Dyke, I believe, still exists, <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was not just Mario coming in and doing the kind of thing Mario's done to every single quarterback he's had. But I do think that if you look at the offense Tyler Van Dyke was in as a freshman and compare it more to what he'll be running under Phil Longo at Wisconsin, I think that is a very good fit for him. And I do think there's a good player left in there. So I think Wisconsin made a pretty big upgrade at quarterback compared to what they had this year. Is their schedule manageable? Nobody's this, schedule this coming manageable in the Big Ten. That's the point. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's I can't remember who they're playing off the top of my head, but they're probably playing at least two of Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, USC, Washington, Oregon. Everybody is. They got Bama? Yeah, and they have Bama. Oh, yeah, they got, they? they got Bama at home. Yeah. No, their schedule is not managed. <laughs> Travel you, got, well, you, got, you got Purdue, Rutgers, Northwestern, uh, a MAC team, an FCS team. Uh, USC and Oregon. Yeah, Iowa, See, Nebraska, yeah. Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, it's manageable. So I'm saying, like, the winner of the Big Ten every year is going to be like 12 and two. You know what I mean? It's there's not yeah. going to be many undefeated teams going forward. But no Ohio State, State, no anyway. Penn State, no Michigan. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, where yeah. would you put? Uh, I mean, the other kind of big piece is Dante Moore, uh, as far as the developmental piece, like a right. guy who's you know you've seen some flashes, struggle with interceptions, clearly at UCLA. Decides to go somewhere else. I mean, he's got to be high up on somebody's developmental list where you might not get it year one, but if you stick with him, give him two years to develop, he could be one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Oregon, back to where he originally committed. And then you've got Dylan Gabriel for one year and then, you know, turn it over to Dante Moore after that. Is that a possibility? I don't know how legit it is, but I have heard Michigan buzz. Like I have heard that he's okay with going and sitting behind J.J. McCarthy for a year if he has to. And also... Part of the issues that they had at UCLA, and this is just what I've heard, nobody's told me directly, 
is that they did not like the way Chip used him more as a runner. They kind of want to develop him more as a pocket passer who can move and is mobile, but that's why there's interest in Michigan because they'd actually be interested in keeping him in the pocket. There's like very sensible, you know, regional aspects to Grayson McCall to NC State, but it still is one of those confusing uh, Coastal Carolina. So Tim Beck just sent him back, right? And Tim Beck leaves, right? He's NC State's offensive coordinator. He leaves, he takes the head coaching job at Coastal Carolina. And now Grayson McCall is going to NC State. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. he's, he just, that, 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 that was clean, right? Or is that messy? It's got to be clean. I mean, that's, there, there's some favor that's been paid off. Was a steak dinner bet just paid <laughs> off with Grayson McCall's transfer? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm just asking questions out loud. It's just too convenient that McCall picks NC State, the university where his now ex-head coach was the offensive coordinator the year prior. I mean, his like if you're NC State, you're buying low here, right? Last, mm-hmm. last year Auburn wanted him, and then what? He, I think he just couldn't get in, right? So he had, he had to go back to Coastal. Um, if you're NC State, like McCall's a pretty experienced guy, does not have a big arm, some mobility. That I think the main asset he has is the accuracy and decision making. So um, that's an offense that they run under Robert and I, where like find the open guy, assuming that they have a little bit better receiver play this year. Uh, I, I could see that working out, and it, it's it's NC State, so they almost never ask the quarterback to carry the team. What? Since when? <laughs> Think Mikey about it. G? Yeah, uh, right. You know, like Finley? Russ? I mean, it's, that's, that's, I, that's QBU, baby. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but that we're, we're, we're talking about, like, we 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 had better hairline. Well, Chip still has a great hairline, but like, like some of us had better hairlines back then, man. I mean that that it's been a minute. <laughs> is That's true. Is Grayson McCall an upgrade over MJ Morris? I, I they were just tired of dealing with MJ Morris, right? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah. come on. I'm not I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about like if you're just in a vacuum, which one would you rather have next year? It, I think I, the floor on Grayson McCall is pretty set. MJ Morris didn't play that great this season. There might be a slightly high, a slightly higher upside, but I think you're more stable with Grayson McCall. That's just I, I don't think you can do it in a vacuum because you can't redshirt yourself in the middle of a season and come back to that same locker room and be like, all right, boys. Yeah. I'm back. No, Let's I do get it. it. I'm not yeah. I'm I understand that they couldn't bring him back. I'm just saying if you had things your way. And you had the choice of MJ Morris coming back for what his third year in the program or Grayson McCall transferring in. And we saw Grayson McCall in an offense that wasn't Jamie Chadwell's last year, not look nearly as good as he looked when he was in Jamie Chadwell's offense. I just am saying, I don't know. We'll see. That's fair. That's fair. They're going to surround him with skill players. If they can hold on to Jonathan Paylor, uh, lighten it up down at the Shrine Bowl right yeah. now. You know, mm-hmm. then they'll have Kevin Concepcion, a couple different pieces to work together. Uh, that that smart decision making, find the open guy approach, they might have the pieces for it. So McCall might be a good choice to run the offense. Any other transfer stuff um, before we hit a break? Taylor Green, Arkansas. Oh yeah. Oh, that's Tom. KJ Light. Listen, Tom's new. Uh, Literally, <laughs> sounds like sounds like a great hire. I have no idea how it will work out. I love, Tom, that you're doing the, like, I saw the best of this man. 
And if he can find, tap back into the best of this man, this is going to be a great pickup. You did it uh, for T- for Tyler Van Dyke, and I feel like you did it for Taylor Green too. Where it's like, look, if we take the best of Taylor Green, then like Arkansas's got themselves a good one. I mean, Trino, sorry, he's a roller coaster. I mean, that's really the best. Like when he's playing well. He is electric. He will be one of the funnest players to like. There will be a Saturday next year where we're talking about how crazy, insane, t- and good Taylor Green looked for Arkansas and how it was an incredible performance. And then there will be really bad ones. It's one just kind of down, three interceptions. Yeah. 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 He just better get lower when he runs because he's like six, seven, yes. and his strides are like five yards each. Just. It's going to be a little more physical in the SEC than it was in the Mountain West. Like, yeah, he's, he gives me like really – Kaepernick was better at Nevada, but he gives me like strong Kaepernick vibes, both from like his size and like his frame and how long he is. Yeah, I just – I think there's a very high ceiling there. It's just I think it's very, very rarely, rarely touched. Agreed. <laughs> Petrino has been on a thing where he really wants quarterbacks who can really run. Um and it, it dates back to his time with the Falcons. He's talked about this when, when he had Michael Vick, right? And, and how that, that kind of, you know, blew up. But then he goes back and he has Lamar at Louisville. And that, that I, I think Petrino is much more uh, quarterback mobility friendly than he was 15 years ago. Um, so I'm, I'm excited to see what Green can do there for Arkansas. Uh, the one that I want to touch on, by the way, that is not a quarterback is I think Deion Burks is a hell of a get for yes. Oklahoma. Um, like when you watched Purdue this year, to me, there were not many players on the field. It was like, yeah, that, that guy looks like looks like a stud. But if go back and watch the Wisconsin game uh, that Purdue played, Burks is moving at like a different speed than everybody else out there. Like it just it looked like like his his tape was sped up, but everybody else was was in regular speed. So. I'm excited to see what Burks can do with that Oklahoma offense. That they need some help at receiver. Yeah, that, that's big for the Sooners, and it's a blow to Purdue. Yeah, that kid, that kid is good. Tough yeah, Purdue's in trouble. Coming up on the other side, we need to honor a player who's special and near and dear to our hearts, and we need to get into some of the biggest National Signing Day storylines. So, what's the future look like for Dylan Rayola? And Who are the other players we should have on Flipwatch? All that and more next. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast. Lightning quick changes right there. Um, hey, I moved. I know. <laughs> I, the right available this week uh, on 24-7 Sports is... Um, 
the true freshman All-American team. Uh, <laughs> and on the true freshman All-American team, you've got players like, you know, Caleb Downs, who was our, our true freshman of the year at CBS Sports. You know, you've got players like, you know, the aforementioned Casey Concepcion from NC State. But, Tom, we also have the just like really one one of the MVPs of the Cover 3 podcast. Are, are you... Do you, do you, are you proud to see the whoopsie Daisy King, Anthony Calandria get that first team all true freshman All America team honors uh, there from twenty four seven Sports? Uh yes, I am. I mean, well, technically he's not the whoopsie Daisy King statistically because he did not qualify. He did not play enough. That would go to Nebraska's Heinrich Harburg. So I'll give him the credit. <laughs> but the whoopsie Daisy King of my heart is and always will be Anthony Calandria because that kid is just. He's what college football is supposed to be. Just he's 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 got the high ceiling, the low floors, and all the craziness in between. And I do think he's got a chance to be a genuinely a very good college quarterback. So I think when he was in there, he played well. He made some mistakes with the ball, but I think another year going forward, he's going to be good for Virginia. I look forward to watching him. I'm going to be a big Who's fan next year. Thirteen touchdowns, nine interceptions, and great note from uh, Chris Hummer in the write-up over on Twenty Four Seven Sports. Uh, nine interceptions and often put the ball in danger. I would say that the interceptable passes that Anthony Calandria threw might even be uh, in excess of the thirteen touchdowns that he threw. But you know what? Uh, when, when you got that much juice behind the ball, it's hard for the defense to catch it too, right? Nope. I mean, it. <laughs> That's correct. Going going back to what we were talking about in the last segment, though, like. You look at how things were not even that long ago as far as like freshman quarterbacks. What does it say that when the freshman quarterback on the all-freshman team is Anthony Calandria this year, who I, I really like, but those numbers, like going back, just talking, we were talking about Tyler Van Dyke as a freshman. He had like, what, 25 touchdowns and five interceptions? Mm. What's Is that like the side effect of the transfer portal right now? Like we're just not going to see these kind of great five stars playing right away? Not at quarterback. I don't, yeah, the the I, th- I think the the uh, the other aspect of, of the thing we brought up earlier is if coaches are too focused on certainty, especially coaches who are uh, like potentially have jobs at risk, is there a chance that some of the like middle tier teams end up with superstar quarterbacks who are then locked in because they can't transfer more than once until they graduate? Because the the staff that was under some pressure to win immediately took a veteran quarterback, pissed off the kid who's really talented and young, and it turns out the kid goes somewhere else. And oh, like maybe he was more ready to play than that staff believed. I think this is probably going to happen, and I think so because quarterback is by far the most position, like the most difficult position to figure out who should start. Like we routinely see teams and even elite coaches, <laughs> Kyle Whittingham, uh, like routinely figure out who the correct player is to start midway through the season, right? So I think they're going to like make a lot of difficult choices, probably make mistakes in making those choices, potentially rely on certainty too much of the portal quarterback. And I think that's going to lead to some mid-tier teams having absolute studs at QB uh, from, from those guys transferring out when the coach at the prior school didn't think he was ready. Mm. Um, Caden Proctor also made that uh, true freshman All-American team from Alabama. Uh, Ruben Bain from Miami, Peter Woods, and TJ Parker, both from that Clemson defense. But what are the na- any any names that you want to make sure you want to highlight from uh, from that? And of course, you can find it over at Twenty Four Seven Sports. Uh, it is the true freshman All-America team. 
I mean, Concepcion is definitely a name because like he carried that team this year. Like mm-hmm. he was NC State's best receiver by a lot. Uh, I thought the Clemson duo on the defensive line, Peter Woods and Parker, were were really really nice. Um, I thought Cam Robinson at UVA that, that that was one that was a major battle for UVA to win down the stretch last year. A, a lot of folks wanted him to flip, and they they held on to him. So. Uh, those are some names. Miami had two on the team, I believe, with uh, Maui Noah and then, of course, Ruben Bain. So a lot of, a lot of young studs. Oh, Caleb I, Downs also is like just yeah. he's, okay. he's the best player on this list. Um, yeah. I think by a lot, maybe. Yeah, that was our uh, that was our CBS Sports True Freshman Player of the Year. And when I was doing the write up, I was going through and like, I mean, you not only was he. Um, physically ready to go, but all the Alabama coaches talked about how mentally like his instincts and his ability to step right into that defense and make the right decisions, drop down into the box and be a part of run support while also not giving up big plays over the top. And he's such an elite athlete that in the last five games of the year, they sent him out to be the new punt returner. You know I mean? It's just, uh, it, it, it's almost like the best player at your high school. He's just going to do almost everything uh, because of what he can do. Game-changing talent for the Crimson Tide. Ever since spring practice, they've talked about him like he was you know, uh, not going to have a, a long runway to be a superstar, and Caleb Downs certainly was able to uh, to get that going right away. Only snub on here is Becht, I think. Rocco Becht at the quarterback position uh-huh. from Iowa State? Yeah. I, I, I got a text timer about that. I, I, I wasn't in on the voting on this, but like that's, I think this is a really, really well-done list. The only one I can really think is, is Becht. Fair. All right, let's take it uh, from the true freshmen on to the players who will be true freshmen next year. Okay, so I, I made a I made an offhanded comment as though I was rubbing my eyes and surprised that Nebraska might be in the mix for Dylan Rayola. But if you've been following the Dylan Rayola saga, or even the Cover Three's podcast discussion of Dylan Rayola, Dylan Rayola, Dylan Rayola, Dylan Rayola commitment news watch live stream. Um, we have always looked at the family connections that were there at Nebraska. We have also been a little bit critical of you know, the, the offensive staff. Otherwise, beyond family connections at Nebraska. He is a, a player who you know transfers across the country, goes to Buford. This is his fourth high school, right? Mm-hmm. And if he co- does commit to Nebraska, flipping from Georgia, it would be his third different commitment throughout the recruiting process. Which, but 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 what's where, where are the winds blowing on this one? What's what's I, going on here, guys? We 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 got the spatula out for this one. Uh, he <laughs> is officially on spatula or hibachi spatula. Right Look at there. that! Yeah, that, that, that that's, is. That's, yeah, my my uh, my wife got me a blackstone. It's kind of one of those things like you think you'd never. Love like, I wouldn't use this, dude. Yeah, that is that is really really solid. Um, and I, I kind of kicking myself for not buying one earlier. If you guys are uh, are on the fence, that's free advertising. Probably shouldn't do that. Uh, ad team, get on that. Uh, I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think get they, us all they, free they ones. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, look, Raiola is a really talented kid. I, if we weren't going to hold the four high schools thing against him before, I don't think we should now. And it's a major get for Nebraska if they do pull it off, which at this point I would kind of expect him to do. Right? I, I think you can kind of read the tea leaves here. Um, if you've been watching our Tuesday shows where we had Cooper Tagna and Andrew Ivins on, and Ivan's has been saying, like, there are a good number of guys on Georgia's staff, and this is back to October, 
who like Ryan Puglisi just as much, if not better, than Raiola. So that, that's their other quarterback recruit in the class. Also, I think the likelihood that Carson Beck uh, is coming back probably plays into this. Uh, Raiola's dad was an All-American, like total stud at Nebraska. His uncle is the offensive line coach here. By the way, he just got a big time uh, extension and raise. So, yeah. Uh, so weird. 325 500. Right? Huh. Nice yeah. little raise. Like, am I confident in Nebraska's offensive staff, especially with, with, with the offensive coordinator situation? No, clearly not. Like, I, I think we covered this over the summer. The track record there is horrid. But getting a player of this talent can change things, especially if they get Kyle McCord coming in, who I think is probably pretty likely in Nebraska at this point. You know, like maybe he sits for one year takes over afterwards, and he is the level of talent that allows Nebraska to elevate where it hasn't been if he hits. And I, I think there is some chance that he hits there. So you think he's going to be okay going and sitting behind Kyle McCord? I think the pathway to playing time at Nebraska is way more wide open than at Georgia. Agreed with that. Do you think this is the best use of Nebraska's funds Yes, because I don't think Nebraska is seriously in it for an elite quarterback if they didn't have the family connections. So if you have the opening, you have to like like if, if you if you have the whole cards, you're reading them, you got to go all in. So I so I don't I don't know I don't know how good Dylan Rayola is, but I'll ask you this: If Bryce Young wouldn't have gone to Bama and would have gone to Nebraska with Scott Frost, do you think that changes the trajectory of Nebraska? Like my, my point being like. I, I get it's the most important position of the game, but you still have to have some talent around you. And I guess that's where it would be. Like, is there enough talent around him? Like, clearly, if you go to Georgia and you're the top tier, you are going to be in the national championship hunt. But you're also going to have five-star, four- and five-star talent on the offensive line, at receiver, everywhere around you. So your chances of success are going to be pretty high. Nebraska, I think there's a higher bust rate potential because you're going to be asked to carry a lot of that load. You know, it's sort. I mean, it's not that different than... Dante Moore going to UCLA, you know, like where he was asked early to go in there and, you know, he makes some freshman mistakes. All of a sudden he's written off and he's in the portal again. I don't know. What's I just think like if you were allocating funds, I feel like you'd be better off, whatever the number is, of buying five players that are all really, really good players along the offensive line, defensive line, a good receiver, and then getting like a four-star quarterback who can be pretty solid over just counting on this. Maybe I have enough to spend to where it's all taken care of. You know, but I just I think it was fascinating. Considering what I'm hearing about buzz with Nebraska transfers, I think they're doing both. <laughs> yeah. I, I think Nebraska's got plenty of money. I Look, the I don't think the issue is funds. I think the issue is opportunity. How many yeah. times is Nebraska truly going to be in it for a five-star quarterback? I would I mean basically zero times in like the last five years and – if I had to guess, probably zero times in the next five years. So if you have a chance to get a guy that has the tools that Rayola has, I think you have to go do it. You mentioned earlier we're not holding the four high schools against him. Should we be? Because no, like, I'm saying if we weren't doing it when he was going to Georgia, I don't think we should do it now. But I'm saying, I, should we have been? Because like I don't is this just anecdotal or is there kind of a correlation of like the guys who go through like five high schools and then multiple commitments tend to uh not work out? It it definitely uh doesn't seem to help in our just anecdotal sort of let, let's remember some dudes who did. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of different reasons why this happens. Um and I I'm pretty hesitant to hold it against kids if you can dig into the reasons right like sometimes 
you have a really unstable parenting situation. I was going to say, know, like, where, that could be a family yeah, type thing. Like, you know, the some of these kids' home life are rough, parents, man. You know, and then you get to college, and then maybe as you're, when you're on your own, you've got a chance to to grow a little bit. Right, exactly. And especially uh, in this year's class, right, so you have uh, some of these guys who moved due to, uh, like, their season being canceled due to COVID, or their parents switched jobs, right? Um, and I think that was two of the situations here with uh with, with Riola. So uh yeah, it's kind of a unique one. We also see kids who, I mean, just to be frank, like you know, especially if it's like a single parent home, you know, like you're you're getting evicted, right? Like you're going to live with family members in a different county. Now you have to move schools and and like that happens quite often. Like not everybody's home situation is super stable. So it, is it something to take note of? Yeah, for sure. Is it a little bit predictive? I think so, but not cr- I don't think it's like the be all end all. There's definitely examples of guys who have been at multiple schools and, and have done well. Quarterbacks, so, maybe not so much. The there there are varied reactions from the Georgia side of this, right? And you know, everything from Good, uh, we don't need them. Save this headache. Okay. <laughs> That's my favorite. Edit. <laughs> I it is varied. I, I've seen a wide range of responses, <laughs> including what Lincoln may have that Athens doesn't. And maybe his own personal tastes are more towards that. Who knows? But I like this note from uh, Seth Emerson oh, at the stake. <laughs> Seth, uh, <laughs> Seth Emerson over the at the Athletic uh, threw this all together. I mean, it, it it just like condenses it. Since Smart became head coach, he has seen four other five star quarterbacks: Jacob Eason, Justin Fields, J.T. Daniels, and Brock Vandegrift transfer after getting beat out by Jake Fromm, Jake Fromm again, Stetson Bennett, and Carson Beck. I, if you're Georgia and it's like, sure, go ahead. Like what, what the plan has been working just fine. And, and Bud, to your earlier point, like how many five stars has Nebraska been in? How many five stars will Nebraska be in the mix for? And then let's go to the Georgia side. How many five stars has Georgia had even leave the team? And how many five stars will Georgia be able to sign, you know, in the next five years? This it does feel a little bit like a situation where not to go full fine, we don't even need them. But the the way that things have played out on the recruiting trail and then trans and then translated on the field, which by the way, they've had a top 10 scoring and total offense each of the last three seasons. Yeah. What, what are you gonna do there? Like I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that this is some big picture sign of the times for the Georgia Bulldogs if uh, they do end up losing Dylan Rayola to Nebraska. Concur. Yes. Georgia's offensive line class is also better than like the next two or three best offensive line classes put together. So (laughs) like no joke on that. So they're going to be absolutely perfectly fine. uh, in, In my opinion, they also have some young studs in the 25 and 26 class who seem to like them a lot. And if they're right about Puglisi, like the the staff's feeling on Puglisi, Puglisi about how good he is. I mean, there's some chance that Riola gets beaten out of Georgia. Are I we going half the playing time in Nebraska is much clearer. Tom, resident Italian, is that supposed to be a hard G or should we be given at the GLI treatment on the pronunciation of Puglisi? Puglisi. Pugliese. Pugliese. Oh God. He makes right. an A noise. It's just like Spanish. Did you guys take Spanish? It's no, like, but it's the GLI. What's what's the, yeah, the GLI G- is ye. 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 Mm-hmm. Like Cagliari. Right. Not Cagliari. Yeah. But you know. 
That's an Italian I mean, soccer club. I feel like with all the Tommy DeVito stuff going on right now, it's there's enough Italian American awareness going on. I think it's better for you, you Anglo's, to uh, get a better sense of culture. I just really hope that whatever his name is for Georgia, please. I hope he has Tommy DeVito's agent repping him. That would be perfect. <laughs> Stilato, right? Well, Sean Stilato, yes. Yeah. But I mean, the pictures is even better than the name. Just picture him in your mind. Yeah. There we go. Maybe he's the NIL agent. We'll see. <laughs> Find out. All right. Uh, coming up on the other side, more National Signing Day storylines to watch, including whether number one overall player, wide receiver Jeremiah Smith, could end up flipping, and a few more players and storylines to watch. Next. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Um, but I'm gonna let you drive. I know you've you've given us a lot of different names and sort of storylines to follow here. Uh, you want to start with Jeremiah Smith or DJ Lagway? Let's start with Jeremiah Smith. Uh, okay. I, I think that's the more likely one, and obviously the number one player in the country. Kind of a Julio Jones clone type receiver. Haven't had a receiver rated this high in a long, long time. Committed to Ohio State. has Been committed to Ohio State for a good long while now. Multiple visits to FSU, multiple visits to Miami, plays down there uh, by Danny. And uh, I mean, this is going to be a really interesting one to follow. I, I I think there's a real chance something happens here. Uh, maybe he sticks with Ohio State, but I, I think Florida State is solidly in this. And, and I can't completely discount Miami either. So this is going to be a real fun battle. I'm not just trying to make up drama here. Like, like you know, it's on a show. If we're like, hey, there's nothing there, we try to say there's nothing there. But Jeremiah Smith is a stud and a lot of schools have put a lot of time and effort into this one, so we'll see how it unfolds. What's what's the what, what's the overall Ohio State class looking like? We didn't mention this on like the the previous segment, but the way that I heard it, if you run the class calculator for Georgia and take out Dylan Rayola, the five star quarterback, Georgia falls from the number one class to the number one class. Yeah, correct. Um, <laughs> Georgia also may, f- may may flip another defensive line from the Gators uh, down the stretch, so. Um, yeah, I, I played around with it this morning. I was on CBS HQ. Tully hit me up. He's like, is there any way we can get – like, no. Uh, well, not not a realistic way, right? If if FSU flips Jeremiah Smith and LJ McCray, which I definitely don't expect, and then like holds on to everybody and then also two mystery prospects materialize, then maybe, but – But it's I mean, dogs number that, one is like almost, almost in Sharpie. Yeah, they're – yeah, exactly. Gotcha. They're – they're like minus a thousand for sure uh, to, to hold on to number one. Uh, the, the real race is for number two down the stretch. So that'll be 
that'll be pretty interesting. Um, you mentioned DJ Lagway, quarterback from Texas. He's committed to the Gators. A lot of people think that he is the best quarterback in the country. And uh, I think at this point, if I had to bet on it, and you guys know I'm a betting man, I would I would bet on him sticking with Florida. Uh, I would say I'm like somewhat confident, but like I wouldn't want to put a lot of money on that. AM certainly making a charge. Not trying to negatively recruit the Gators here, but again, like their season was a disaster, and the uh, the recruiting class does seem to be falling apart a decent bit. Uh, sticking with Florida, uh, they have a five star safety, uh, Xavier Philsam, who is from Texas. He actually is probably going to make a visit to Texas, and uh, that would be another blow for the Gators class. That one I, I kind of think is more likely uh, than Lagway. Sticking with Florida again, number two defensive lineman in the country, LJ McCray has visited FSU, uh, has also met with Auburn. I, I, Miami's still in there a little bit. I, you know, I know at one point Georgia. I, I think Auburn is the most likely flip destination if it happens. I think he probably sticks with the Gators. Uh, sticking with Florida again. Oh no! Lineman, oh no! <laughs> I'm dead serious. Yeah, this is like I know they've already lost a couple, but like this has a real meltdown potential. Um, to where Napier is just a total lame duck entering next year, and then they'll get a new AD and figure it out, uh, unless you want to make a change just late in the cycle. But Amaris Williams, four-star defensive lineman. Uh, Ohio State is involved, Georgia, and a little bit, I believe, of Auburn as well. So, uh, yeah. So Trevor Etienne it might be going to Georgia from the transfer portal, and the recruiting class is falling apart. I mean – that's our pets. Heads are falling off. This is equal not good. equal opportunity. So people don't accuse me of being a homer. Uh, Florida State is absolutely, I think, in a battle to hold on to five-star safety KJ Bolden. Again, Auburn making a real charge there. As is Georgia. He's a guy from the state of Georgia, and then four-star defensive lineman uh, Armando Blunt. Who this is the guy that like Miami got the rock out for. Uh, Miami's still hard charging there, trying to flip him back into the class. So. A lot of Sunshine State drama uh, down the stretch here, which I guess as uh, is always the case, right? Yeah, sunrises, sunsets, a bunch of high school prospects from Florida are waiting out to the last minute with a bunch of suitors. It's just different in our state, man. Like these <laughs> these kids do crazy stuff. This is this is a great segment that kind of just drives home why I don't really pay attention to recruiting classes until after signing day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't totally blame you. Um. The uh, what do we a headline from earlier in the week? Five star wide receiver Ryan Williams is reclassified to join the Alabama 2024 cycle. Um, is it what do we make of Williams and what's he going to be able to do for the Crimson Tide joining that group? Uh, assuming he joins Alabama, no way, uh, yes way. So he can he, reclassify and flip. You're saying he can reclassify and do a little flip action, might boys. be why he's reclassifying. Yeah, could be. Um, Auburn is the other one to watch there. Mm. So uh, at this point, if I had to guess, I think I would stick with Alabama, but it's a total guess on my part. Auburn has been um, – Auburn's been confident that they would have a shot for a while. you know, And everybody knew he was he was attempting to reclassify, so that's not really a surprise. It's just it's something we have to discuss now that he did it. Silky smooth receiver, really gets in and out of his breaks extremely well. A guy who's consistently going to get open, catches the ball well, just a, a super nice player to have in your class and uh yeah i mean if, if auburn lands him i mean that is a bunch of uh a bunch of receiver talent coming to the plains 
don't really know who's going to throw him passes, but we'll have to see. Come on, man. Dr. Bo got it figured Think out. Think about it. If Auburn strikes out in the transfer portal at quarterback, they're going to have a whole lot of bag to throw around at, at people, right? <laughs> true. That's true. That's true. Unless you think Peyton Thorne can play, which I don't. I mean, Peyton Thorne, let's see, at Michigan State, he had Keon Coleman, he had Jaden Reed. <laughs> he had some pretty <laughs> good true. players. And he did have the one good season. And then it kind of fell apart. Mm. And yes, I am holding for the chat. I, I am holding a spatula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Co- Cody mentioned in the cover three tailgate. <laughs> it's flip season. Yeah, it's flip season. You got the spatula yeah. ready. Yeah. Um, what, uh, Tom, Danny, any what sort of storylines or questions we got uh, for, for Bud while we're sitting here previewing the uh, the last week before the early signing period opens? Colorado making any headway? Yeah, uh, somewhat. So Jordan Seaton, five star offensive tackle, is like an an actual Louis piece for Colorado. Like these are really, really nice offensive tackle. I think a lot of people think he's probably the best offensive tackle in the country. Like that's one that I think you have to take note of. Like that is absolutely cooking on that like Travis Hunter level of get for them. Not in love with the guys they've taken so far in the transfer portal, but realistically, uh, I think if you get a bunch of guys with experience, Colorado should be able to upgrade its offensive line from where it was last year. So, I think they were pretty realistic with like the quality of player they could get in the portal and went out and got it. So I think you have to give them a lot of credit for that. We've talked about all the top, you know, programs, guys at the top of the rankings. Who's the one program that in this class so far isn't what you would consider to be a blue blood, but you think kind of has a sneaky good class? All right. So I'll give you one here that a lot of fans think I hate their team, which I don't. I think South Carolina's got a really nice class. And I think that's the second year in a row they've done a nice job at the high school level. You know, I, I think all of us on this show unanimously went under on their win total. Uh, but we said it was just kind of a a brief pause because they're doing a nice job at the high school level. And I, I think they really are. So that, that could be two classes in a row that they're stacking. You know, and if you're in Knoxville or if you're in Gainesville, you don't love to see that. Or Columbia. Right? It's like, damn it. Like South Carolina, despite the fact that on the field stuff's not real good, they're still bringing in really nice players. So Rocket Sanders also yeah. – uh, Yep. Looking like he he might end up showing up at, at South Carolina too. That could end up being a that's an instant impact for the Gamecocks moving forward. Well, next Wednesday is when the early signing period opens, and after most of the dust has settled, we'll have our own Cover Three edition of a National Signing Day reaction, uh, letting you know where the flips happened, where they didn't, teams that made some of the biggest moves, and what to know from the early signing period. Again, that is next Wednesday, December 20th. We'll have a more specific time for you in the future. Tomorrow, gentlemen, it starts. Bonanza! That's right, our 2023-2024 edition of the Bowl Nanza. We will be giving you what we're watching, uh, the big storylines, and of course, our best bets for every single bowl game. That starts on Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. It should be good for you. That's about when we would normally do our locks. We'll be tackling eight games in this first edition the Myrtle Beach Bowl, all the way through the Frisco Bowl. So those eight games broken down in Bowl Nanza. Uh, then we'll be doing it the next Thursday. And then the right after Christmas, basically a whole Bowl Nanza week, getting you set going into the new year. So Bowl Nanza, part one, Myrtle through Frisco, 11 a.m. Eastern time on Thursday. Come and hang out because, you know, cover three moves lines. You can always have 
We always will. And you can follow him on Twitter at Danny Cannell. You can follow him at Tom Fernell. You can follow him at Bud Elliott 3 You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See ya. on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.